Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about aligning ourselves with the will of God. I thought this would only be one lesson at the beginning of the year. This is number six, and I don't see any end in sight, to be honest with you, when it comes to aligning ourselves with the will of God. There's a general revealed will of God, and there's a specific revealed will of God. And as long as we line up with the general revealed will of God, then God will give us the specific will that he has for all of our lives. We've talked about already, it's the will of God that we all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's the will of God that we all be filled with the Holy Ghost and power, that we maintain a spirit-filled life, that we get baptized in water if we haven't been baptized in water, and also that we sanctify ourselves before the Lord and honor Him by keeping our flesh under. That's called sanctification. And then we support His work financially. Uh, we follow Him daily, and we take our place as a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. All those constitute the will of God, generally speaking, for all of our lives. As we continue our study, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 gives us our next point. I am crucified with Christ. Have you been crucified with Christ? Yes. Nevertheless, I live. Are you alive? Oh, yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Yet not I. Notice this, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as we're alive in the flesh, we're supposed to live by faith. So the next revealed will of God to us is what? The just shall live by faith. God wants us to live by faith. When it comes to an understanding of faith, there are certain components that comprise faith. Uh, number one, faith comes by how? Hearing is important, so what you hear is what you're going to, number two, believe. So hearing, believing, and then thirdly, the third component to faith is action. Action. The primary action of faith is speaking. Speaking is the primary action of faith. That's why it's so important for us to recognize and realize that death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. And so there's many things we can do to express and act out our faith, but the Bible teaches us that primarily speaking, speaking is the primary action of faith. And we see that in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what saith it? It's the word of faith that's near you. It's in your heart, in your mouth, the word of faith that we teach and preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe your heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So notice he said, this is called the word of faith. Paul preached the word of faith. So he said, this is how it works. You've got to believe it from your heart and say it with your mouth. If he would have said something like, just understand it in your head, you'd be okay. We'd all have it made. Right? If we could, if we could just say, I quote it. If I quote it, it's okay. No, it's got to be something that's in the heart that we release through the mouth, and that's called faith. Now, in this next section, I am not going to take the time to go over all these scriptures, but I want us to see the importance of faith in the life of the believer, and eventually the role faith places in, in, in the life of a believer. Okay? Look at these verses. We won't, we won't read them, but listen, they're there. They're listed for your own personal study. That's why I have them there for you. We're saved by faith through grace. We're saved, thank God, by grace through faith. Number two, we live by faith. We walk by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We're justified by faith. We access the grace of God by faith. We overcome the world by faith. We receive from God by faith. We remove mountains by faith. We inherit promises by faith. By faith, we're made whole. By faith, we shield ourselves from all the wiles of the devil. By faith, uh, we please God, Hebrews eleven six, And then also, it releases the gospel benefits in our lives, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. The gospel did not profit them or benefit them because they didn't mix what? Faith with them that heard it. So because they didn't mix faith with it, it didn't benefit them. So what good is it to hear the gospel, to know the gospel, to believe the gospel, but don't mix faith with it? It's dormant. 
empty, lifeless. It doesn't do anything. Faith without works is dead. It's still faith, but it's dead being alone. This message, in my opinion, is the most important message people can hear. Because if we don't understand the operation of faith in our lives, you can't even get saved. For by grace are you saved through what? So what brought you into the kingdom? Faith. Believing in the grace of God. Okay, in the finished work of Christ. So, everyone needs saved. If you've been born into this world, you need saved from three things. Number one, the penalty of sin. Number two, the power of sin. And number three, the presence of sin. The penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. Well, how am I going to get, once again, delivered from the penalty of sin? Now, look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. By grace are you what? Saved. saved. How are we saved from the penalty of sin? By grace through what? Faith. So without faith, we can't even get saved. For 24 years, I was in church, didn't have faith to get saved. I didn't have saving faith. I knew about it, but I didn't know it. So by grace are you saved through faith. Okay. Um, one other thing that we need to be delivered from and saved from is the wrath of God. Let's pull up Romans chapter 5. The wrath of God. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from what? Whose wrath? Saved from wrath through him. So in other words, God's wrath is stored up for all those that are ungodly and unrighteous that refuse his plan of salvation. And they're going to spend their eternity in a lake of fire. Anybody want to go to the lake of fire? Any takers this morning? We can get some tickets doled out to people. Anybody? No. But how am I going to get saved from it? By grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God. Well, what about the power of sin? Anybody here have any problem with sin since you've been saved? Anybody did any, have you ever done anything wrong since you've been saved? Look at Romans chapter, um, it's in there, 6, 12 through 14. Look at these verses. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. He's talking to believers. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Say it with me. Sin, sin. has no dominion over me. Praise God. Sin has no dominion over us. That means it has no authority over us. It has no power over us. The power of sin has been destroyed through the finished work of Christ. But we've got to recognize that, realize that. And guess what? Apply our faith to it. You never apply your faith to it. If, if all you do is walk around and keep on saying, whether it's me or you or anybody else, I just can't overcome that. I just can't seem to get rid of that. It just seems like it has power over me. It just seems like, talk like that. Guess what? It will rule you. But when you start saying something like this here, I know I did something wrong and maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But you know what? By the grace of God, I can tap into the power of the blood and cleanse myself from all filthiness and flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, because sin has no dominion over me. Listen to yourself. Say it. Say it over and over every single day. Don't say something like this. Well, one day I'm going to be free. God is not in the future. God is not in the past. He's not the I was. He's not the I will be. He's the what? You know what that means? Right now, he's the God of the I am. I am right now. I am your deliverer. I am your helper. I will empower you right now. Praise God. And so even though you missed the mark, you've done something wrong, you declare it that I am free from that in the mighty name of Jesus and sin has no dominion over me. I'm free from the power of sin. The third thing is the presence of sin. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The presence of sin. I don't know about you, but one day you will not have to face sin any longer. It will no longer be in your presence. No more sin, sorrow, sighing, crying, dying, and woe. All those former things are gone never again to emerge in your life ever again. Aren't you glad for that? No temptation around you. Nothing but the grace of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God, the mercy of God. Cast not away therefore your confidence or your faith that you have in Christ. 
which hath received great recompense of reward. What's that? You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For a, yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Oh, thank God. And will not tarry. Now the just shall live by what? But if any man draw back, my soul is no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, which is separation from God. But of them that believe to the what? Saving of the soul. What's he talking about? Yeah, I know there's a lot we're going through. I know these light afflictions are but for a moment. But uh, overcoming it works for us a far more exceeding great eternal joy, which is the glory of God. It's a weight of glory in our lives. One day, this world will be left behind. One day... The devil is going to be bound up forever in the lake of fire. One day, you will never, ever have to face sin ever again. It will not be in your presence ever again. See, we believe that, don't we? And that's what he's talking about in Hebrews. Man, slow down. Calm down. You know what? The day's coming. The day's coming. Whether it comes because you depart from this realm of life through death or because you're raptured out of here. The day is coming when it's all going to end. Every enemy will be underfoot, death itself included. So by faith, I'm believing in a rapture. By faith, I'm believing in a place of eternal bliss, a place where sin no longer exists. Does that make you happy? Amen. Think about it. You won't have to fight it any longer. Now, unbelief is the next step here. Grieves God. Unbelief limits God. It grieves him to no end, and it limits as to what he can do in people's lives. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 3, and look at verse 17. But with whom was he grieved? Forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter his rest, or promised land, but to them that what? Believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because they chewed tobacco. Doesn't say that. Because they told a little lie. Because they got angry and upset. Mm -mm. Why couldn't they enter in? Because of what? Unbelief. Grieves God. He was grieved with them in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And we'll talk about two forms of unbelief here in a moment. But it also limits God. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 6. And this is from the New Living Translation or the Amplified Translation. And he marveled because of their what? Jesus marveled because of their unbelief, their lack of faith in him. And he went about among the surrounding villages and continued teaching. Do you know what the remedy is for unbelief? What's the remedy for unbelief? Teaching. Because you see, the gospel you hear is the gospel you're going to live by. And that's why Jesus knew their unbelief was based on what they believed. And they believed the wrong thing. So, unbelief is remedied by teaching. So let's show that in Scripture, in the Luke's Gospel. Notice here in chapter 6, Verses 17 through 19. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him, hear him what? Teach. And be healed. You see how he remedied the unbelief? To, they came to hear him, teach, and he and to be healed of their distresses, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone, everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Now, if you just let your mind just meditate on this just for a moment, why did they touch him? What was he teaching them? Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, is what he taught them. And it's to my understanding that everywhere he went to, at every city that he went to, this is what he taught them. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty to bruise, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee. So he told these people that I have been anointed from on high, Acts 10, 38, with the Holy Ghost and power. And people sought to touch him because he let them know God's power was in him and on him. The anointing was in him and on him. And so they sought to touch him. We could touch him today, maybe not physically because he's here on the earth, but we could touch him with our faith the same because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he taught them this everywhere he went. And that's why they came to touch him. That's why the woman with the issue of blood sought to touch the hem of his garment because she was hearing this teaching going on. So Jesus was teaching to remedy their unbelief, to instill within them a faith that would enable them to rise up and step out like the woman with the issue of blood and touch the hem of his garment and expect to be healed, delivered and set free. And so Jesus remedied the unbelief by teaching them. Now, that brings us to the main thrust of what I want to share this morning, because this is all as far as I'm concerned, encompassing when it comes to the believer's life. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Now, why is this important? Because by unbelief, they stayed up. That's why. We just read that, didn't we? But by faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now, to get to that point it takes 40 years. You going anywhere? You got 40 years? You ready for it? Here we go. Let's go on a ride. Numbers chapter 13. You can't preach faith without preaching these scriptures. Unbelief kept the walls of Jericho up. Within the walls, we find the blessings of God. We, we find all the provision that we need. But unbelief keeps the walls up so that we can't cross over and into our blessings, the promises of God. So as long as we're in unbelief, the walls will stay up. But when we begin to see the reality of what God has done for us in Christ, and we begin to shout, the walls are going to come down. And you're going to enter into the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. But we got to get there first. Like I said, it took 40 years. So let's read Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. A lot of scripture here. If you don't mind, I'd rather hear God than me. So. And they went and came to Moses. And these are the 12 spies that went out to spy out the land. And remember this. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. So if you read this yesterday, it's, your faith is behind you. This is today. Faith comes by hearing. And all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And, well, first of all, stop right there. They went and spied out the land. God said it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And if you do some study on this, you'll find out the grapes are so big, they had to have two guys carry them up on long, you know, sticks. And, and they were just like huge grapes in the land. Okay. So they brought it back and said, look, at what God said is true. It's all, it's so amazing. Okay. That's the fruit of it. And they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, there it is. Nevertheless, what? The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw uh, the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, said, Faith is released with what action? Speaking. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, how is unbelief released? With words. What did they say? 
We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. The evil report is not the condition of the land. The evil report is what they said about their inability to get into the promised land. Saying, the land through which we have gone, search it, is the land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Antic there, uh, and which come of the same giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and God, against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, how's unbelief released? Words said, we would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Now that's the condition of these people. Ten spies influenced two and a half million people. And that was the result of it. What did they hear? The gospel of, I can't. What did they hear? We're too small. We're not able to do it. What did they hear? The enemy's too big. What did they hear? The, the giants that are in the land are too strong. The walls are fortified. They had every statement made of unbelief that said, we can't, we can't, we can't. And when Caleb said, we can no one wanted to hear what he had to say at all. It doesn't stop there. It goes on. But right here, what we see is they're not persuaded to enter the promised land and act upon the word of God. You see, there are two kinds of unbelief. There's one kind that says lack of knowledge. My people perish for what reason? You can't have faith in something that you don't know because faith comes by hearing. So they didn't know. And if you don't know, then that's called, a, a, it's a lack of knowledge. Obviously, that's unbelief. But the second kind is represented right here. And that's unpersuadableness. They could not be persuaded to act upon the word of God that they knew. They knew what God said. It was no surprise that there were giants in the land. It was no surprise that the city's walls were great, like a fortress. God said that. It was no surprise to them that there were the Amorites, Canaanites, Amalekites, and it goes on and on, all the ites that were there. That wasn't, shouldn't have been strange to them. God said they were there. He said, I'll send my angel before your face, and they're going to go in and help you get into the promised land. So don't fear them. Don't be afraid of them. And don't in any way offend the angel that goes before you. Well, so what did they say? We can't do it. Look at number, uh, Numbers 14, 5 through 10, and look at this. They couldn't be persuaded to act upon the word of God at all. And when Moses, I'm sorry, when Joshua and Caleb then tried to persuade them to go in, see, they needed persuasion. Those 10 spies were leaders of the tribes of Israel. They were supposed to persuade them. They had the knowledge, but persuade them to act upon the word of God and say, we're doing it. Well, let's read verses 5 through 10. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only, notice this, rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. What a different take on this. These two men are saying what? They said we're grasshoppers. They said they're giants and we're nothing. These two say, no, 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 don't fear them. They're bred for us. Notice this, their defense has departed from them. They have no courage whatsoever. To come against us. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Next verse. And all the congregation got excited and said, Yay, let's go take up the land. Uh, no. You see, Joshua and Caleb, I guess they weren't good motivational speakers. But all the congregation bade 
stone them with stones. I guarantee you right now, I, I, I suffered this 43 years ago when I first came here with the presbytery here, okay? Because I came from Kenneth Hagin Ministries, the stones were in hand. They were in hand. I met before the board. They wanted me out of here. They didn't want to hear anybody came from a word of faith camp background and all that sort of thing. Things have changed over the years now and 43 years later. Okay. But notice this. All the congregation wanted to stone them. And that's exactly what people that promote faith get. Get stoned. Look it up. You'll see. Go online. You've got access right now and online. You'll see what names we're called. But anyhow, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. All that shows me is how foolish they are because they don't even know the, the whole concept of it all. Anyhow, so here we got these 10 over here. They persuaded two and a half million to side with them, right? And they're all siding. Now you got Joshua and Caleb over here and they say, come on, boys, we can do it. God's on our side. He's greater. The enemy's defeated. The defense is departed from them. Let's go get our healing. Let's go get our deliverance. Let's go get our land. Let's go get our prosperity. Let's go get God's hand of protection. They all pick up stones. I think people would rather hear doubt and unbelief than faith. They pick up stones to stone them. Let's put that back up there. And then what happens? Look at verse 10 again. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. Now, wait a minute. If you're among these 10 leaders and the two and a half million doubters and unbelievers... And you want to stone these two characters over here. And the glory of the Lord stands between the two of you. You think that might be a little bit impacting? You think that might get you to change your mind? You would think so, wouldn't you? Do you know what? God couldn't get them to leave their position. It was almost unreachable. It's like they were so seared as with a hot iron. That they were just not going to respond, even though the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord stood between them to stop them from throwing the stones at Joshua and Caleb. Wow. God was angry at their voice. God was upset and grieved by their unbelief. And look at what he says. He pronounces judgment. Let's pick it up. Starting from verse 13 to 19. And Moses said unto the Lord, well, this is first of all Moses interceding. Moses said to the Lord, imagine this. You're talking to God here. You're not talking to a board member. You're not talking to your pastor. You know, you're not talking to your neighbor and your friend. You're talking, okay, to the Lord. Moses said unto the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. For you brought us, you brought us up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, are among his, this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud stands over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of a fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, which is what you want to do here, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able. He's questioning now the ability of the Lord. Because he's not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them. And sometimes you think about this. If God can't do it, who can do it? Therefore, he had slain. See, he couldn't get them to change their mind, so he slain them in the wilderness. And now... I beseech thee. Remember, this is Moses speaking to God. Let thy power of my Lord be great, according as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of your mercy. 
and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. Moses is interceding for these people who are filled with unbelief and doubt. These ten leaders basically promoted unbelief and said there's no way the situation can be handled. We can't do it. They were convinced of it, and as a result, they spent 40 years on the outside of the promised land looking in. It'd be like, it'd be like uh, being in downtown Beaver looking in Kretschmar's Bakery. Just walking back and forth, and you're not allowed. You're not allowed. Why not? Unbelief. You're out. Can't get in. You ready for this for 40 years? Look at the judgment. Pick it up at verse 20. As truly as I live, and the Lord said, rather, I have pardon according to your word. I forget, I forgive them. Mm-hmm. How many of you know you can be forgiven and still have consequences? But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with what? The glory of the Lord. Because all those men, here's the reason why. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. In other words... They saw the glory, they saw the power, they saw the cloud by day, the fire by night, they saw the manna come from heaven, a water coming out of a rock, they saw the ten plagues over there in the, in, in the land of Egypt, I protected them from the snakes and the, all the poisonous, venomous beasts in the wilderness, they saw all that, all this time, but they won't listen to me, they won't honor my word, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him, he hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn ye and get ye into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and the Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, say unto them, Oh, as truly as I live, saith the Lord. You ready for it? As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Well, what did they say? You brought us out here to die in the wilderness. God brought us out here to die. Couldn't we just die back in Egypt? We had, at least we had fish back there in Egypt. We could do, get some food. And we're going to die out here in the wilderness. That's what's going to happen to us. We're going to die. You brought us out here to die. Okay. He says, okay, as you've spoken in my ears. What did Paul say about the word of faith that's in your heart and in your mouth? How's unbelief released from the heart and the mouth? Okay. So every time we start saying something against what God says, guess what? That's a measure of unbelief. It's time to really line up with the word of God and get it in our heart and mouth and, and say what God said about us. But notice this. This is the judgment. As you spoke, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number. From 20 years old and upward. Now I like that demarcation here. If you were 20 years and up, you're responsible. If you're 19 or under today, thank God for it. Okay? 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, except to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said would be a prey, then will I bring in. See, he's not holding them accountable. Then will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. They're in Kretschmar's. They're among the lady locks, the Danish, the pedophores. I won't go any further. Uh, your little ones, which you sh said should be a prey, then will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, ooh, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness, just like you said. 
And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. All because of what you said. That's what you said. Okay, so I'm going to give you what you said. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days each day for a year, you shall bear, shall you bear your iniquities even 40 years and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said it. I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and there shall they die. Why are they dying? I want to hear the word. Unbelief. So when they start telling you these word of faith people are crazy and blah, 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 show them these verses. And the men, and here it is, which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. That was instant judgment. And you've heard me teach this before. What happened? Worms ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel, heart and mouth, the very seed of life. I don't know how it gets any clearer than this. Because you see you 10 leaders here. You made them all doubt me. You said you can't do it. You said there's, there's no way I can get you in. The walls are too strong, too high, too, too fortified. You said the, the warriors there are trained warriors and they're too big. They're the giants. You had all these people believe that. And you said, uh-uh, we can't do it. But only two said, yes, we can. And you want to stone them. Can you see how a person get, becomes so seared that you lose sight of God being bigger than your problem? But the two word of faith people, but Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went into the search of the land, lived still. They didn't just live. They lived. They lived in the promised land. All right. So Joshua's generation enters the promised land. Under Moses, they failed to get in. And what we have is a revelation here in Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6 of what God taught Joshua and uh, Caleb to teach the people so that they could go from unbelief, 19 and under, to faith. So if, if the oldest was 19, when that happened, how old were they 40 years later? Any math teachers here? How, long, how old? I just want to see if you knew. How about 58? How about 57? How about 56? See, depending on their age, it was 40 years, just add 40 years to it. But the oldest would be what? 59. Okay, so Joshua has the responsibility to teach these people how to get out of unbelief into the Joshua generation of faith. Would you rather go to the school of those 10 spies or these two? I'd rather go to where I'm going to hear that we can do it through Christ, who's our strength. What about you? So let's briefly, quickly go through this. Seven things they emphasized. And you see it unveiling and unfolding in Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6. Okay, so let's do it. Number one. To persuade them to act on God's word, these are the truths they taught. Number one, your enemy is defeated and you need to know that. Joshua 5 verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were about the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Red Sea, of the Jordan rather, from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Your enemies defeated. Their hearts melted in fear. Number two, remember you got a covenant with God. Verse 2, Joshua 5, 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of, of Israel the second time. They were circumcised before, but there were others that were born. So now we're going to circumcise. And what does circumcision stand for? The covenant they had with God. And so if you can imagine this ceremony taking place with all these that are being circumcised and they're being told, you're in covenant with God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're in covenant with God through them. And as a result, you've got blessings and you know, matter of fact, you know what this covenant teaches us? 
God will bless those, praise God, that are obedient. God will allow to go into captivity those that are disobedient. And also, if you repent, you'll have restoration. That's what it basically says. So, you've got a covenant with God. Remind the people of that. Okay, teach them that, what that covenant stands for. Number three, remember where you were, how you got out, and where you're at right now. That's not in your notes, but look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Okay, the Passover, what's it stand for? Why they keep the Passover? To remind them how they were in Egypt, but who brought them out of Egypt? No small way. Ten miracles that shook Egypt to its foundation were manifested. The last one being the death of the firstborn. They saw all that. Remind them of that. That's what the Passover is. How'd you get out? And where are you at right now? We're at the brink. We're at the edge of the promised land. How'd you get out? God brought us out. Signs, wonders, miracles, demonstrations of his power and might. But I'm going to remind you that your, ancestors, your fathers and all, all them, full of doubt and unbelief, didn't get into the promised land. But now see, here we are before the promised land. And I want you to know something. The next thing is, it's a brand new day. Sometimes we don't like change, but it's a brand new day. You have, you've eaten uh, manna for how many years? And so on, drank water from a rock? Let's look at the verse. Verse 12, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So here it is. It's a brand new day. Thank God. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's a brand new day in your life as well. Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. It's a brand new day. You can approach God on your own. You don't need a high priest to go before you or anything like that. You don't need a sacrificial lamb. You can go on your own. It's a brand new day, praise God. You've got the right to take a hold of the word of God, use the name of Jesus, and experience the good of the land. And so he said it's a brand new day. Are you ready for this brand new day? He's telling these people. He's training them to let them know. You don't have to look for manna anymore because you know what? You've got the fruit of the land right here. The walls are down. You're going to get in, and it's all yours. Number five, you are not alone. But there's an army that's invisible that's there to assist you and help you get in. Look at the ver verse 13 through uh, 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our enemies, our adversaries? He said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, You ready for this? Loose your shoe from off your foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. You know what that tells me? This was no angel. This was Jesus. No angel. Read your Bible. No angel ever said, go ahead and bow. If someone did, he said, get up. I'm just like you. Get up. But when he bowed right there, Jesus was standing right there telling him, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. We're not alone. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me. And you. That's in, than he that's in the world. Okay. Number six. God has already given us the land. This is what he taught them. Look at it. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua. See I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof. And the mighty men of valor. That's it. Do you know he's already given us the devil and all of his cohorts? You realize that? They're underneath our, our, our feet. You realize that? I'm giving you power in my name. He said to tread on serpents and scorpions, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will hurt you. And then he said in my name, cast out devils. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the devil's been defeated. He's given us the land. The land belongs to us. We've got to tread upon that land. This is what faith says. And this is what faith does. My enemy is defeated. So stop saying that he's not. 
And honestly, you need to be kind and courteous to people. When I hear someone say, the devil's been after me all week, I want to say, stop and turn around and face him. Get out of here. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Jesus in me is greater than you, devil. I'm not afraid of you. So put a stop to it. Amen. Amen. If you know where it's coming from. Okay, and then here's the finality. Obey God, even if it's illogical. Look at Joshua chapter 6, 3 through 5. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once, and thou shalt do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and priests shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. Okay, is anybody here a military strategist? Anyone at all have any idea about military, military war and that sort of thing? Anybody? Here's the strategy. We're going to walk around the walls of Jericho that are so fortified once every day for six days. Seventh day, we're going to go seven times around. We'll have the Ark of the Covenant there with us and the priests and they have their ram's horns, their shofars in their hands. And on the seventh time, blow those trumpets and then shout. And the walls will fall down. Hey, Bob, what's he on? What? Do you think Patton would agree to that strategy? George Patton? I don't think so. Mm -mm. So what do they do? They do exactly what God said to do. So much to get in here, but we're running out of time. But listen to this. Don't say a word during all these jaunts around at all. Don't say anything like your fathers did. We can't do this. There are giants in the land. Look at the walls are so big. You can imagine how tempted one would be to decide with all of what they see with their eyes. But no, don't say a word. Let God be God. You know, sometimes all you have to do is shout. When you know the truth, just shout. Hallelujah. When it registers down here, it will come out with a shout. Okay. Those are the seven things that they were taught. But I have to point this out before I close because this is amazing to me. Look at Rahab and her family lived because of her faith. Joshua chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. And it came to pass as the seventh, at the seventh time, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Now look at Remember that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Again, look at verse 31. By faith. How did this happen? The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. We could learn from a harlot. What you couldn't learn from all the ten spies. Leaders of all the tribes of Israel. This woman, we understand, was a prostitute. This woman housed, hid the two the spies that went out to spy out the land. And when she was confronted and said, do you know where they're at? Uh-uh. She lied. They might have gone that way. They're here a little bit ago. They're going that way. They were up on a roof. And when they came down and she said, you're safe. But she said, I got something to tell you. When your God comes in to wipe out this place, spare my family and me. And they said to her, then get yourself in the house and put a scarlet thread there in front of the window. Oh, glory to God. There's a message right there in just that. Can you say amen to that? 
And so now if you could, if you could verify this archaeologically, okay, so we see the walls come tumbling down. And I did a study on this. And you can find out that the only place where the walls did not fall was Rahab the harlot's house. Because she by faith believed getting in the house and applying the blood, the scarlet thread, would protect her. And isn't it something that God even honored that harlot? And what else does that show you? You may have had a past, but when you come to Christ, you've got a new future. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. A brand new future. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And we're not promoting lying, but she had, she, they didn't deserve the truth. You understand that? That's why he honored them. They, don't, they didn't deserve the truth. So what's this faith all about? Oh. This faith is all about everything. It's the difference between life and death. Spending 40 years, spinning your wills in the wilderness only to die. Looking at the, from the outside, looking on the inside. All you, you're like looking through a glass. That's all you see is what's on. They're all, look, they just had a lady lock in there. I just saw a Danish over there. That woman just had a bear claw. Oh, come on. What's your favorite? That cream stick? And look at her. She's got two. I'm trying to get in, but I can't. What's keeping me out is the door locked. No, no. Your unbelief has kept you out. The just shall live by faith. He's the God of the now. Can you say amen? You ready to apply it to the God of the now? Let's stand.